When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, this is Alice. Okay, welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We have a fantastic guest for you all the way from Vietnam. But before we get started, I just want to share with you again that you can pick up my book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy, um, off of Amazon or ping me at Connected Alice and Kay Summers, and we'll figure out how to get it into your hands. So we have, again, a fantastic guest who's from Vietnam, who has a passion around sustainability and about responsible products and responsible businesses. Um, she has been the recipient of the SME 100 Fast Moving Companies Award. She's been featured on Forbes, Shark Tank Vietnam, and she has been the first Vietnam-based company backed by Techstars. She's been named one of the 25 veganpreneurs, how do you say it, veganpreneurs that you should know, um, and so many other things. So I would love to welcome Marina Tranview to the program. Marina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So tell everybody what the company is and why you're so passionate about sustainability. Yeah. So uh, the company is called Equo. Uh, we actually came up with that name by uh, combining the words eco and status quo together. Uh, status quo meaning kind of remaining state or condition. And that really drove um, really kind of like the vision for our business, which is to create products that don't take away from the environment, don't leave anything sort of behind. Um, and we started the company um, actually about a year and a bit ago uh, and uh, launched first into the market with a line of drinking straws made out of natural materials, which include grass, rice, coconut, sugarcane, and coffee. Uh -huh. And then from there, we're planning to expand out into so many different other products too. And the goal is really to create all plastic-free uh, items that are compostable as well to really solve the whole single-use plastic problem. So I have so many questions for you about, about production and your go-to-market strategy and your launch, but I, I do want to uh, comment that you are a sole female founder. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I have to ask, you know, there's, there's a lot of boldness to it because um, give us a little, our listeners, a little bit of the background so they can appreciate um, the story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, originally I actually had a co-founder when we first came up with this idea, but, you know, kind of differences in opinions and how we wanted to accelerate the business and really where our visions for not only our lives, but our careers uh, laid, I decided I really wanted to do this full time. And so that really is what drove me to kind of do this on my own. So even when I first started with a uh, co-founder, I just ended up really wanting to make this full time and my passion. And so uh, I am now kind of a sole female founder, which is very rare within the industry. Mm -hmm. It's not 
And we see that also kind of in the numbers too, um, where I'm trying to hopefully through our business as well, encourage a lot of sole female founders to kind of pursue business by themselves and also to encourage VCs and investors to invest in sole female founders who are right now the most uh, non-invested subsection or subgroup uh, within kind of the industry right now. You know, let's talk about that for a second, because, you know, to get off the ground, you know, we always talk about bootstrap versus investors. And and when you're making, when you have a type of company that you you need to invest in um, the materials and the, and the manufacturing and, and that you often do have to turn to in, investors. And, you know, sometimes I hear from women, you know, like 200 pitches, ladies have your patience. It took me 200 pitches. What was your experience um, on getting the investors on board? Do you feel like you had some good luck? Were there great tips that somebody fed to you that you think paid off? Yeah, um, so my journey was a little bit unconventional. I was bootstrapping everything. I actually just wanted it to be a small business, never had the intention ever to actually bring on investors. And the only reason why that changed was um, all of a sudden I got someone who was very interested in our business, wanted Mm -hmm. to purchase a majority of our business and invest in it. And that's really what got this all going. So I only started to learn about investments literally six months ago. <laughs> and so I'm very brand new to the entire space. And then afterwards, I started to talk to some of my friends who are really in the startup world. And they started to teach me about this whole world about investment. And they did kind of convince me that, you know, investment can be a way to build your business, especially mm-hmm. if accelerate very, very quickly and achieve things in a short period of time. And that really just matched my vision of the business too. I wanted to go fast and hard with our business. And so that's when I started to learn more about investors. And then Techstars came along, which is an an amazing program all in itself that helped kind of groom me to where I am today. And uh, I think it was also a combination of luck too, because my first two investors were actually females. And, you know, they were not only investing in me as a person, but they were, I think, just investing in the whole idea of like women supporting women and and trying to push us forward as well. So um, that's really kind of how my whole journey came about. It's very unconventional. I'm still very new to the space. But I think there's beauty in that, Marina. I think the, the beauty here is, is that there's hope for people because, you know, I always say amazing starts with the right questions. And, and, and if you weren't asking those right questions and, and having that, that big vision at the beginning, you know, you had to fully believe in your product. And I don't, I don't care luck or not. If you didn't, you wouldn't have had those investors step up and like you said, invest in you as the founder. Um, Let's talk about the development, the product, the product development and choices that you had to make in manufacturing. So tell us a little bit about what those decisions were. Yeah. So um, when I first started off in this industry, it was very uh, it was very new to me as well, primarily because sustainability was something I always thought about, you know, cared about to a certain extent, but never really delved into. My background was all in consumer products and branding. You know, I worked for companies like Unilever, Bacardi, launching brands and products for them, but never within sustainability. And sustainability for me was, uh, it was a journey. And I think for a lot of people, it's the same sort of way. It's like, you want to start off, you want to do what's good for the planet. You don't really want to intentionally like, you know, harm the planet or pollute, but you have to kind of start somewhere. And so 
when I went through that journey of trying to figure out how to be more sustainable, then I discovered when I first moved to Vietnam about two years ago, something in my drink, I saw it, it was our first product within our product line, the grass straw, actually, I saw my drink and I was like, this is so interesting. Why is this not everywhere? And so that's really what drove um, the whole path of like, uh, of innovation. And then I basically kind of took my background within uh, consumer brands and market research and just consumer understanding and said, why are we only offering one type of straw? Why was there only ever plastic or paper? I, like I have a hypothesis that, you know, consumers want the straw category to be just like any other category, like chocolate or like water, where they even have multiple choices and different types of water, filtered water or, you know, water with minerals, or they want chocolate with nuts or white chocolate, milk chocolate. <laughs> So people want still choice, even in a category like straws. And so I took that hypothesis, built out a product line that offered multiple different types of straws that cater to different preferences. And that's how we've also kind of built our very distinct factor of having variety in a typically commoditized category that typically had also no choice. And where did you turn to for that, the, your, the first production runs? Do you actually have the manufacturing in Vietnam? Do you have it in other countries? Yes, yes. So it is in Vietnam. Um, and then we also have production in Taiwan. Uh, the reason why we started with Vietnam um, is just pr primarily, again, like I moved here. Uh, Vietnam is also my parents' home country. And so when I first moved here, it was not really for business. It wasn't like I was looking to build a whole new career. I was only supposed to be here temporarily. Um, but I, I came here, I fell in love with the country, saw the imm immense amount of innovation and opportunity here as well. And so that's really what kind of drove me to stay. And then I basically found like all these little manufacturers who create these amazing sustainable products, but no one was seeing. And so I found all these little manufacturers and felt the need to bring that to the global stage. Ah, well, thank you for that part of the story. Let's tap into, you know, I love how you talk about the path of innovation. And I love how the story about being anchored in you know, consumer brands and, and, and your branding and your marketing background, because I think so many people, younger people, when they think, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, they don't understand the value of first going and getting some good, solid corporate experience so that when you are really building your business, you've got those kind of anchors. So I have to ask you, how have you applied those marketing skills to like your packaging and, and to your go-to-market uh, launch strategies? Yeah, um, I mean, I 100% applied it. Uh, I would say that there's, you know, there's so many different paths for an entrepreneur. You can start off, you know, right away when you're out of school or you can get that experience. For me, it was a little bit different because, you know, I always knew I wanted to start a business, but I just didn't know what. And so it took me a while to find it out. And um, when I did actually find something that I wanted to pursue, I 100% leveraged everything from, you know, how to design a product, how to bring it to market, how to figure out what are the key benefits that consumers would really care about, taking all of those and bring it together in order to produce our product. And one of the biggest comments that we always get is, wow, this looks like you guys have been in the market for years, which is amazing because- Yeah, it is amazing. You know, that's the intention. You want to hope that all the experience that you spent making millions of dollars for all, the, all these other companies that you were working for, that you can apply also for yourself on your own. Well, and I love that phrase, you know, make it look like you've been in the market for years it, and, and marketing and, and branding and visuals, you know, somehow brings an immediate type of trust. And if you, if you go cheap on it, that trust won't be there. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's something we wanted to do differently too. It, it was um, actually a very stark contrast to the entire category. The sustainability category in general is usually quite beige and green because they want to have that association with eco-friendly products or earthy tones. And we decided like, let's go bright, like let's go bright and loud and different because we want to be eye-catching. And, you know, in a category like this, actually you have to be eye-catching because otherwise you're not really going to get anyone's attention when you're saying, hey, we're selling a straw. And so that really <laughs> goes into it. I know it sounds crazy, right? But then we're like, okay, if, if we don't look like a straw brand, maybe we can catch their attention first, educate them on the product and bring them in. And so that, that's why we um, had a very different approach as well. I think it's this, this concept of, I, I had a lovely interview with a female founder in, in the fintech space. And she's, you know, they're trying to get people to do financial services and, and, and an app as well as other expanded services to get your financial life in order. And you go to their website and it doesn't look like what you would think. And she goes, we are a lifestyle brand. We are a lifestyle brand to fit into somebody's lifestyle. And, and I think it's, it's interesting, you know, similar to what Marina, you're saying about, you know, this, this, this straw market is, yeah, it's my straw, but man, I'm going to be damn happy when I pick up this package and this is mine um, and it's not going to, to, it's going to fit my personality. So I, I applaud you for, for going that way. Tell us about your distribution channels um, and whose hands you're putting your products in right now. Well, as of right now, uh, we are distributed in four markets, uh, Australia, Canada, US, and in Vietnam. We are right now only just selling on Amazon and really through our own online channels and some um, online wholesale channels uh, overseas. And then in Vietnam ourselves, we're selling directly to businesses, to restaurants, to grocery stores and chains that are um, selling, reselling our product for us or using it themselves. So we have a very kind of interesting business model in that we serve both B2C and B2B. So that's really where we're, we're selling right now. Um, and I know a lot of people say, hey, that's really weird. You know, we've gotten so much feedback, like you should just focus on one channel. But the reality is we kind of see ourselves, and this is also kind of my beverage alcohol uh, background kind of coming into the fold too, is that we see ourselves playing in both areas. We mm -hmm. need both. We need the, the B2C or the direct-to-consumer side to build up our brand, educate consumers on the product, and get them to try it. And then we have the B2B side, which is where our volume and our revenue lies. And so we need both sides to help build our business. So Marina, um, my, my entrepreneurs, when they're building, you know, we always talk about scale. We, we talk about don't bring on too many staff too soon. What's your model today? Um, do you have full-time employees? Do you work with a lot of contractors or freelancers? What's the model? Yeah, so we have a total of 13 employees uh, here. And then we also work with a lot of different partners, sales agents, or distributors um, within the markets that I, I mentioned. Um, and we do that because we also want to keep costs low. You know, I want to scale, of course, but there's many ways to scale at a very, um, I think, responsible sort of method or way. Um, and so we feel like for ourselves, we can rely on some people that have amazing experience already, like the sales agents or distributors to help us build our business. And then we want to keep it very tight and small because we know exactly what we want to do as a business. And I also want to have some sense of control, especially since we're still so early, we're still less than a year and a half old. Now, fantastic. I have to ask you, tell us about your experiences on Shark Tank Vietnam. 
Yes, that was a very interesting one. Well, I will say this. It was a great experience in terms of exposure and let the whole country know about us um, and obviously discover myself and um, as a founder and let me tell my story. But also on top of that, it did kind of give me a good, interesting, um, I guess, view into the whole reality show world. <laughs> it, it is very interesting. I will say this. If you ever get on, on one of those shows, it's very interesting. It's a learning experience but I wouldn't change it for the world because it gave us a platform. And so my entire experience was, it was very like, it was to the gun in terms of like, you know, auditioning and then getting ready and then doing the shoot. It was all very, very fast, very tiring, but again, a great experience. Well, fantastic. What part of operating your business brings you the most joy? Like what is the part that if we said, Marina, what makes you go, oh my goodness, this was such a great day. Oh gosh. Um, honestly, the biggest thing is, um, seeing people learn about the different products. Um, I, I had kind of also one internal mission when I first started the company, which is I want to show people that sustainability can be easy and non-disruptive to their lives. It's, um, there's often this kind of notion that, you know, if I want to be sustainable, I have to make all these massive sacrifices. And I just don't think that is the case because I know that's a barrier for a lot of people. And so our products and everything we do, we're meant to just be as non-disruptive as possible. But by using Using our products or by taking a look at our brand, you're already doing better uh, for the environment just by using our products. And so that was something I really wanted to get over as a barrier for people. And I'm seeing that, you know, every single day. So when people use our products, they're like, yeah, this is actually not a plastic straw or a paper straw, which is better for the environment. This is a grass straw. And I didn't have to do anything else. I just used it. And I'm already an awesome, like environmental superhero. So that's, that's a, such a great feeling for me. That's fantastic. Environmental superheroes. Marina's, Marina's in to save you, rescue you. Marina, we like to ask our guests in three to five years, where, where do you see yourself? Are, are you going to stick with this business or do you have other channels that you're going to branch into? What's the vision? Uh, well, for me, the vision is to still be at the helm of uh, this business. Um, it is a passion for me, and there's just so much to develop. There's so much within the single-use plastic category that we can help solve from plastic bags to plastic bottles. There's just so much we can do. And so I would hopefully love to be at the helm and hopefully with an amazing uh, team supporting me as well. I'm hoping to develop that out too. So um, yeah, this is my passion, and I, I can't see myself doing anything else for the next couple of years at least. <laughs> Fantastic. How can people reach you? How can they find out more about your brand? Yes. So you can find out more about us at uh, our website, www.equointl.com. Or you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as well, equointl. Marina, thank you for being such a wonderful guest and, and for sharing with us your business story and for making us think about single-use plastic products. So for our listeners, if Marina shared something that you think somebody else needs to hear, please pass along this episode of the podcast or reach out to her and tell her how much you appreciated her story. If there is an innovative and amazing company founder that you think we need to speak with, send me a note at connectedallisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Thank you again, Marina. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.